Heavenly Father, we thank you for this book that is before us. Lord, we thank you so much that you have given us your word, that these are not the words simply of men, but these are the words of the living God, and they contain eternal life for us if we will simply listen to them and adhere to them and trust in yourself. Lord, we pray that we may indeed do that this morning. May we be attentive. May we put aside distractions that would prevent us from concentrating on your word this morning and what it has to say to us. And so, Lord, we pray that we may indeed be enriched as a result of hearing your voice this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, something uh, delightful for me happened in our house this week. This week was the first week that uh, I've experienced in a long time without child safety locks on kitchen doors. I went round and removed the child safety locks that have been on our doors since Joshua was born, which is five years ago uh, now, and they have been a great hindrance to me. Yes, I found them helpful on preventing children from opening kitchen doors and getting out things that they were not supposed to have. Some things were quite dangerous, some things would break very easily, and so it was helpful for young, curious people to not be able to access those items as easily as if there weren't locks on the doors. But they're always a source of frustration for me because, of course, they locked me out too, and I would have to uh, go through the hassle of opening things, uh, opening these locks up, before I could access what was behind those kitchen doors. And generally, when it comes to kitchen utensils, that is in, uh, you're usually using those in order to be able to eat. And when I want to eat, I want to eat straight away. That's why I think I like fast food so much. It's instant. It's when I want to eat, I want the food to be there. And so kitchen locks, locks on doors and uh, kitchen doors slowed me down in being able to eat as quickly as I would like. So it's a wonderful week for me that the kitchen doors no longer have locks on them. This morning we are also going to be looking at how God has taken away a barrier, a lock, set it aside, and this has been done by him, and it's mentioned for us in this passage in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 18 and 19. We've been slowly working through the book of Hebrews and slowly working through chapter 7 of Hebrews, and we've come to verse 18 of 19 and 19 of Hebrews chapter 7, and we're going to understand now that a regulation has been removed. And that's my first main point this morning. If you want to follow my main points, as uh, they're there on the back of the church bulletin, the first main point this morning is that a, the former regulation has is set aside. The former regulation is set aside. And we see that in verse 18. It says, if you've got a black church Bible, it's at page 1188. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. A former regulation has been set aside. Now what does it mean that something has been set aside? Well, the Greek word that is used here is a word that is often the official word for annulment of a decree, for the cancellation of a debt. So if your debt has been set aside, then it has been cancelled or the abrogation of a will, that you previously had a will that you would leave this much to these children and then you may have had a fight with one of the children and so you've decided to abrogate, set aside that will and uh, give them not so much as you were previously or cut them out altogether. This is the word that is used here uh, in, in the Greek literature. It would be for this word would be mean to set aside. 
And so God has obviously said that a former regulation, a former law has been set aside. He has given the law and then he has the right to dismiss that law, to annul it, to set it aside. But what is this regulation that has been set aside that verse 18 mentions? If you picked up the book of Hebrews and opened it up to Hebrews chapter 7 verse 18, what are you to think? It says the former regulation is set aside. What is this former regulation that God has set aside? Well, the chapter tells us that it's the regulations concerning the Levitical priesthood. We've slowly been moving through Hebrews 7 and we've seen again and again that the law of God is mentioned in particular relating to the Levitical priesthood. And so the law is actually, there's laws mentioned even in Hebrews chapter 7 itself. In verse 5 of Hebrews 7 it says, Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tenth from people. The people, that is their brothers, even though their brothers are descended from Abraham. So one law is mentioned there in Hebrews chapter 7 and that's the law concerning the Levitical priests and how they collect a tithe from their brothers. Also, the law is mentioned again in verse 11. It says, If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it the law was given to the people, why was there still need for another priest to come, one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron? And so we see the law is mentioned again, establishing the Levitical priesthood. And so that's what this whole passage has been about. Basically, Hebrews chapter 7 is showing that the Levitical priesthood has been removed and a new priesthood has been introduced and that is the priesthood of Melchizedek with Jesus Christ as our great high priest. The chapter of uh, chapter 7 of Hebrews is very concerned to show the legitimacy of Jesus' priesthood because if Jesus is not a legitimate priest before God then we should be still following the priesthood of Levi. Because Jesus' sacrifice, his work as a priest, is, is, is not valid before God. And so we shouldn't be adhering to him as priest. We should go back to the priesthood of Levi. But Hebrews 7 comes along and tells us that Jesus is our great high priest and the former regulation, verse 18 tells us, the former regulation concerning the Levitical priesthood has been set aside. Now, why has it been set aside? Why are we discarding? Why has God discarded the Levitical priesthood for the priesthood of Jesus Christ? Why was it set aside? Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. The former regulation is set aside as weak and useless. The former regulation is set aside as weak and useless. And you can see that's what the author of Hebrews tells us. In verse 18, he says, The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and and useless. So we've got two reasons given here why the former regulation concerning the Levitical priesthood has been set aside. First is that it was weak. Now I understand this, that certain things that we put into place to, uh, particularly to keep us out, I think about my child safety locks, are particularly weak. Some of them were so weak that they broke almost soon after we installed them. We had a whole different bunch of ones to try and of course it's so difficult. You've got different handles and different, um, so you can lock handles together or you can lock the actual door so it doesn't open. But then of course certain strengths pull and it catches and of course it's plastic and it just keeps going. It was useless. It was weak. It, it broke soon after many, a couple of the cupboards, when we, they've never really been locked 
because they were actually weak locks. And this is what God is saying about this former regulation concerning the Levitical priesthood. The former regulation was weak. Now how was the priesthood of Levi weak? How was that law about the priests of Levi weak? Well, there's a few reasons why it was weak. Firstly, death prevented priests of Levi continuing in office. You would have a priest for a time, you'd get to know him, but death could come and you could lose that priest and then you'd need another priest to come. And so there's always this uncertainty. If the tribe of Levi disappeared, what would you do for priests? It was a weak priesthood in that sense that it was dependent upon people who kept on dying. And that's what this book of uh, this Hebrews chapter uh, seven has been emphasizing in the past that these people would uh, people who died. But he will mention it again in verse twenty three, verse twenty three of Hebrews chapter seven. He says, "Now there have been many of those priests, Levitical priests, since death prevented them from continuing in office. Many Levitical priests have come. Why? Because death kept on preventing them from continuing in office. Also." The Levitical priests had their own sin to deal with. They were sinful as well. And the book of Hebrews points this out in verse 27 of Hebrews chapter 7. It says, Unlike the other high priests, he does not, that's Jesus, does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. These priests had to firstly offer sacrifices for their own sins before they could offer a sacrifice for your sin. Which demonstrates what? They're weak. They're weak because they die regularly. They're weak because they sin. And then when we think about the regulations that they had as to how they were to offer sacrifices, there was a weakness involved in that as well. What happens if you don't have any grain to make a grain offering? What happens if you don't have a bull? Let's say people come through and wipe out the entire area and you're left with nothing. How do you get right with God if you can't offer God anything? You might have a Levitical priest there, but he can't do anything for you because he can't offer the prescribed sacrifice. Prescribed, remember, is regulations concerning this priesthood. I was actually reading this morning in, uh, in my devotions in Joel chapter 1, and it actually says there, because the locusts have come through, no one can offer bread or grain offerings. And the priests, it says, are going without food, basically. They're mourning because they can't offer sacrifices. And remember, their sacrifices that they would be given to them, they actually got to eat from those. And so it's a weak priesthood. If there's the possibility that a sacrifice isn't physically available to then offer to God, which means you can't be right with God because the priest can't offer anything in your name. And then remember that the priest couldn't just make a sacrifice anywhere and everywhere. They had to make it in a particular place. A particular site that God had designated as a place where you build an altar and that is where you sacrifice. And if you offer sacrifices anywhere else, you're in big trouble. And we see that's what happened with the Israelites when the, the, the kingdom split and Israel had another altar set up with Jeroboam. And God continues to say again and again that the Israelites continued in the sin of Jeroboam, which meant they worshipped those idols there and tried to make sacrifices to God on a foreign altar, an altar that was not at Jerusalem, at the temple site. God had specific regulations about how those sacrifices were to be made, which demonstrated the weakness of the Levitical priesthood because if you lost that site, 
Could you offer sacrifices to God that were valid to make yourself right with God again? No, because you can't offer them anywhere else. And so when all the Jews went into exile, they had to stop sacrificing to God. And what about today? Can Jews offer legitimate sacrifices through the Levitical priesthood at the site in Jerusalem? No, the temple isn't there anymore, demonstrating the weakness of the Levitical priesthood. The Levitical priesthood is a very weak priesthood. There are so many factors that can be tampered with and prevent the Levitical priests from offering sacrifices for you. And so then your relationship with God is hindered as a result. Also, it says there that the former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. It was actually useless. It wasn't just weak, it was useless. What does he mean by this? Well, we recognize that some things that we put into place turn out to be useless. Now, I had child locks that were useful until I pulled too hard and they snapped and they demonstrated that they were weak locks. But we've also had some other locks that were completely useless because our children worked out how to open them. And so they would open the lock, get something out, then shut the doors, put the lock back in place and walk away as though that is how you open the cupboard. The lock was there to keep them out, not for them to just open and go in and get what they wanted. It's funny, the one that they figured out first was the one that had the food behind it, the pantry cupboard. They figured that one out very early on, that they could open it. And it was a useless lock then. It didn't help them or us in the home which is what the Levitical law is said to have done as well. It was completely useless. Why? Well, verse 19 tells you. It says, verse 18, the former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. Then in parentheses, what do we have? Verse 19, for the law made nothing perfect. The law, the Levitical priesthood, made nothing perfect. Just like my, my, my child safety lock that they worked out didn't make them perfect. It was meant to make them perfect. They weren't meant to get into the cupboards. And if they don't go into the cupboards, they're perfect. But this lock ended up increasing their disobedience because they got into the cupboard, plus they went past the lock that was there in place. So they were actually doubly disobedient then. If I'd never put the lock on, they would have only broken one law. They would have gotten into the cupboard. Now they've broken two. They went past the lock that I said you're not to open. And now they're in the cupboard as well. And that is what the Levitical priesthood did as well. It didn't make anything perfect. It didn't make anyone perfect. Perfection here refers to being sin-free, to being sinless. And the Lord didn't do that. The Levitical priests didn't do that. They brought about no cleansing of sin, ultimately. The ongoing sacrifices had to be kept on made because you had ongoing problem with sin. You didn't make a sacrifice with the Levitical priesthood and then you were done and dusted and could go on your merry way. You had to keep coming back because your sin was still there and your conscience wasn't cleansed. So the law was set aside concerning the Levitical priesthood because it was weak. There were so many ways that it could actually fall apart altogether. And let's face it, right now it has fallen apart because you can't offer sacrifices at the temple in Jerusalem because there is no temple in Jerusalem. And it was useless even when it was in effect because it didn't bring about perfection. It didn't bring about cleansing of sin. Now we have to be careful here when we talk about the law of God 
because the Bible does say, in, for example, Romans 7 verse 12, the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. We've got to be respectful of the law of God. We can't just be dismissive of it and say, oh, it's all useless and weak. No, the problem is with us. The problem is with people, not the problem is with the law. The law was weak and useless for sinful creatures. And so we've got to uphold that the law is weak and useless, but hold some respect for it. It's not as though God has given a law that is something that is tainted in itself. No. God's law is holy, righteous and good. It is we who are unholy, unrighteous and bad. But we've got to remember that the law as it was given to us then was weak and useless for us. So what does that then mean it couldn't provide? It couldn't provide perfection, as we've seen. But what else? Why do we want perfection? Why is perfection helpful for us? Well, that brings me to my third main point this morning. The former regulation is set aside because of a better hope. The former regulation is set aside because of a better hope. And we see that in verse 19 as well, but I'll read from verse 18. It says, The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. A better hope comes from another priesthood, the priesthood of Melchizedek, who we've looked at Melchizedek in great detail and seen how, uh, how superior he is. And then if Jesus is part of that priesthood, he is superior as well. And what is that hope that then Jesus comes as another priest for us? What is the hope that he brings? Well, it says in verse 19, By which we draw near to God. By which we draw near to God. The priesthood of Christ brings us close to God. And that's something that I can see in my own situation with my child locks. I put these locks in place. There were regulations to keep the children out. And that's what they did. Well, except for the weak and useless ones, they kept people out. And they kept me out too at times. I get really frustrated, particularly if I've only got one hand, and you've got to try and get them, and some of them are ones where you've got to, if you know anything about child safety locks, some of them are very tricky, because um, children are cluey. Um, and they keep you out. And that's what the Levitical priesthood was designed to do. It was to keep you away from God. Yes, it brought you close with the sacrifices, but many of the regulations with it kept you away. It didn't matter how many sacrifices you offered, sometimes you were just kept away. How's that? Well, we read some of the Levitical laws this morning. You might have thought it was a bit weird reading from Leviticus chapter 13 this morning and about infectious diseases. And if there's a hair in it and there's different colours, and why, why are we reading this at church on Sunday? This isn't medical school. Why are we reading this? And if someone's got a bald patch and we look at the spot, and are we meant to go around afterwards examining each other's heads? What is the point of reading this? Well, the point of that passage reading I was showing you is that there were laws about what was happening to your body which kept you away from the community. If people were diagnosed as unclean, what did they have to do? They had to cry out, unclean, unclean, and stay away from the community, which also meant staying away from God and his temple and his holy of holies. If 
If you were diagnosed by the Levitical priesthood as unclean, it actually kept you away from God. Not close to God, away from him and away from his people. And there were specific regulations about how close people could come to where God's presence was said to be in the temple, in the Holy of Holies. Could anyone just go into the Holy of Holies? No, there were laws that no one could go in except the high priest and that only once a year. The law kept people away from God, as well as, yes, saying if you had these sacrifices, you could draw near to God. But ultimately, they didn't draw you near to God either, those sacrifices. The blood of bulls, the blood of bulls and goats never atoned for people's sin. Now, we've got to be careful here again. I'm careful about what I say about God's law. It is holy, righteous and good. We've got to be careful here in saying that Old Testament believers never drew near to God at all. We open the service with a reading from Psalm 73 where the psalmist clearly knows what it is to draw near to God. And other psalms talk about the nearness of God as well. People enjoyed being close to God in the Old Testament. But it was despite the Levitical priesthood. People didn't draw near to God because of the Levitical priesthood. They drew near to God because they trusted in him and the saviour to come. How was Abraham said to be righteous? By observing a Levitical priesthood? No. By trusting in God. By believing in God and then being credited as righteous. We understand again and again in the Old Testament that people knew the gospel there. That it was by faith that you came to a right relationship with God and you trusted that God had a way of atoning for your sin. The sacrifices of the Levites simply pointed to the real sacrifices. They never actually took away sin. They pointed you to that sacrifice that was to come, the sacrifice of the Messiah. And so drawing near to God has always been dependent upon Christ as priest. And so that's why the author of Hebrews can say in verse 19 that a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. This is what the priesthood of Jesus brings, which the Levitical priesthood never brought, is the presence of God. You can actually come near to God because of what Jesus has done as priest. What has he done? Well, he's cleansed us of our sins. And so we can have a peaceful conscience and actually draw near to God. And God allows us to come into his presence. The laws concerning entering into the Holy of Holies is no longer in place. We can actually go and be with God. We can go back into God's presence, which Adam and Eve lost millennia ago. But now we can go past that cherubim with the flaming sword because Christ has gone before us. And we can go back into God's presence. Every one of us gets to go behind the curtain now if we have Jesus Christ as our priest. How do you actually draw near to Christ, to God, with Jesus as priest? Well, you draw near to him in repentance. You acknowledge that you're a sinner. You recognize that what you have done is the wrong thing, that you've broken God's laws. 
and you come to him in sorrow and turning from that sin. You also draw near to God in faith. You trust in him. You trust that Jesus Christ paid the price for you at the cross, that your sin has been paid for. And you draw near to God. If you've repented and believed, you can draw near to him then in prayer. One of the wonderful gifts that God has given us in this world is the gift of prayer. How often we underutilize it. How often we think it is weak and useless. When it is a way of drawing near to God, that you can come to God, you close your eyes, you don't even need to close your eyes. You can close your eyes though in any situation and recognize that you are in the presence of God and that he is hearing you speak to him in prayer. You can draw near to God in reading his word. As you read his word, he draws near to you and speaks to you, the living God. This book is unlike any other book in the world. It is amazing to think that so few people have actually read it cover to cover. And people who consider it to be the word of God, they're happy to read novels, they're happy to read magazines, they're happy to read lots of other things, but they've never actually read every word of God. They're happy to read many, many, many more words of men. When we can draw near to God and hear his voice in this word. And then, of course, we can draw near to God in worship. When we come together as his people, we can draw near to God, and this is the one that we don't get to experience yet, in eternity. But we will one day. One day we will go near to Jesus Christ because of his priesthood and we will be in the presence of God for all of eternity and we should then draw near to God in great joy. One of the things as a Christian that's a terrible witness is when we're always depressed and sad. It makes us seem like Christianity is a religion of dreariness and harm to ourselves but really Christianity should be shown to others to be a religion of great joy because we get to go and be with God. We get to communicate with him in no that no other religion provides, that access to him, that we can know that he loves us and is near to us at all times. How many other religions allow you to draw near to God? So many of them are just like the Levitical priesthood with laws and regulations keeping you away from God. Telling you how could you believe that God himself would come down and dwell on earth with men? How on earth would you think that you can have a relationship, a physical relationship with him in heaven where you can actually see him and hear him and touch him? Other religions want to keep you away from God. Christianity brings you to God. There's The rules and regulations are taken away in Christ's work at the cross. He pays for all those times you break God's rules, which are holy, righteous and good. But he pays so that you can come and have access to God. If you're not a Christian, come to him today. Come to him in repentance and faith, recognizing that his priesthood is the priesthood that enables you to draw near to God. And if you are a Christian, exercise that privilege of drawing near to God. 
Think about him regularly. Think about his presence near you. This is something that I crave to do more as well. I want to know that he is with me at all times. Not every hour, every minute would be great, but I'm just trying for every 15 minutes at this time. That I, I think about him every 15 minutes as being near me and that I communicate with him in prayer. If you're a Christian, draw near to God. Draw near to him in prayer, draw near to him in reading his word, draw near to him as you come with God's people to worship him and look forward to that time when you will draw near to him in eternity in heaven. And do so with joy. Do so with a really joyful step, a happy heart, because you have access to God. Let us speak with him now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that Jesus is a superior priest to the priests of Levi, that the laws regarding them are indeed weak and useless, for they made no one perfect, and they didn't draw people to God. Instead, many of those regulations kept people far from God. But Lord, we thank you that Jesus is our way of drawing near to you that he is not weak and useless and has never made anything perfect, but he has made us perfect through his work at the cross. Lord, we pray that everybody in this room trusts in Jesus Christ for their salvation, and we pray that we as Christians may regularly draw near to you. May we come boldly to your throne of grace, come to you in prayer, come to you as we listen to your word read, and as we come to you to worship with your people. May we come with great joy and as we look to that heavenly home where we will be in your presence forever, may that give us great perseverance in the faith because one day we know we will be near to you forever. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.